the league is still waiting on Kawhi Leonard, and DeMarcus Cousins is just waiting on anything. And we talked to Trevor Booker about free agency and what it's like to wait for a deal. It is the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's do this. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything going on around the association. And by the way, you need to be subscribed to the podcast since deals are coming left and right, and we are here daily to break it all down for you. On Wednesday, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I am John Corrales, at Reds Army John on Twitter, and the co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. So, John, we are in, what, day three of Kawhi Watch 2019 right now. And do you That's think, right. are we getting a resolution on this soon? Yes, exactly when we finish recording this podcast is the, when we'll get a resolution. The, so this happened to us. So anyone listening, if you're listening to this and the Kawhi Leonard news has already come out, you can thank us. Over the summer, we recorded one talking about how maybe Greg Popovich could convince Kawhi Leonard to return to the Spurs. And like two hours after it was posted and we had gone to bed, he was traded to the Toronto Raptors. So if there's a deal, it's because of us, right? Yep, that's it. We're here for you, man. We want we want this over like you want it over. And I do not want to be in Las Vegas at Summer League still wondering what's going to happen to Kawhi. I want it done. Yes. So obviously, I think for us and the teams we like, the maybe the best situation, maybe actually not for you, is for him to return to the Toronto Raptors. The Clippers are my number two. And the third is the Lakers. But the Lakers are maybe the most interesting team in this because they have to sign Kawhi Leonard. Like they don't have a choice. You know, I once had a class in college where I was not doing well, and I went to the professor to try and maybe increase my grade, and he just looked at me and goes, failure is not an option, and I thought that (laughs) meant that he wouldn't fail me, and it was like, no, you need to just study your ass off and get an A on the final to not, like, do poorly in the class. That's kind of the way I feel about the Lakers for this, because they have gone all in, and they are not signing really any other free agents that matter right now. And if you don't get Kawhi, that roster is just weird because more or less, everyone of importance is off the board right now. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Lakers are in varying degrees of trouble regardless. I mean, it's hard to be in trouble when you get Kawhi if that's how this this all goes. But the types of players that they can fill in around either that big three or the LeBron, Anthony Davis. I mean, those guys are all signing somewhere else. They did get Jared Dudley, which is a nice signing. I mean, he's a nice guy. But if your roster is, even if it's LeBron, AD, Kawhi, and 10 Jared Dudley types, that's, you know, you obviously got Kuzma. They got Taylor. Uh, they got uh, what's that? Uh, so so they Horton still Tucker, have a big three, you know. So like, like they got the big three, but then look, that's an amazing big three. Okay, an amazing big three. Yeah, uh, I don't want to make it seem like I'm gonna poo-poo that big three, but it's going to be extraordinarily interesting that 
the way they've structured this this roster because you the inclination is to say, well, they have those big three, and it doesn't matter who plays around them. But it, it does, though, because LeBron's getting older. He's going to need to sit. Anthony Davis isn't going to be able to play 82 games. Kawhi Leonard isn't going to be able to play 82 games. It, it is going to cost them regular season games. And if anything happens to one of those guys, it's going to be hard for those minimum guys to step up. So obviously, again, you get that big three. They are the favorites in the NBA. But the the types of players that can fill in around them with or without Kawhi have dwindled significantly. Yeah, you know, they're the favorites, but it's a favorite on paper. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be the favorite, but you still have to go out and play the games. And we kind of saw what happened to the Golden State Warriors, particularly in the finals, when injuries really do hit you. So we'll see how this goes. We've heard Magic has called Kawhi Leonard. Drake's getting involved in this, trying to recruit Kawhi Leonard back to the Toronto Raptors. And the Clippers are just kind of sitting there pretty, and none of these teams are really making significant moves because they're holding out hope, and only one of them is going to get him. So that hey, The Clippers, us- by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the Clippers, by the way, are almost as screwed as the Lakers. Yep. If they don't get Kawhi, they are – at least they have like Gallinari and they had, they brought back Beverly and they still got guys like Montrez Harrell. They can, they can be okay. But if they don't get Kawhi, a whole lot of plans for the Clippers go South. Yeah. And they were a playoff team last year, but the West has gotten tougher and it might take 50 games to get in as the eighth spot. Like, that's how I kind of read this now. So you've got to get him, and it hurts either team if they don't, which leads us to the next topic here of is basically either the Clippers or Lakers, if one of them don't get Kawhi Leonard, are they the favorites for DeMarcus Cousins? (laughs) Somebody I think will sign him. I will say that if the Lakers don't get Kawhi, Cousins probably goes there, but that's the only place he could go. I don't know that he'd go with, uh, he'd go to the Clippers. Uh, I don't know where he's going to land. The, the the Knicks felt like a place that could take him in, but that's that's all gone away. I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he's going to get more than a mid level exception, like a taxpayer mid level exception exception, like five million dollars per year for what a year or two. The market for him has apparently just dried up completely. Yeah, so the, if this sucks for him, like just straight up, he had the injury for the Pels a couple of years ago, and just it turned down a two-year, forty million dollar total deal, so twenty a year. Took that uh, taxpayer mid-level exception with the Warriors last year for five and a half. Played pretty well, averaged sixteen and eight, I think, in his thirty games, basically, and. All of a sudden, the cap space just evaporated because everyone got busy in the first 48 hours of free agency. The Knicks signed a bunch of weird contracts (laughs) and deals. Like We're going to laugh about this a little bit. And it's just kind of wild how this guy, who was the most dominant center in the game, who also shoots threes and passes the ball pretty well, has just – there's no money out there for him right now. And – it was Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN on SportsCenter yesterday saying he has no market and he doesn't even think he'll get a mid-level exception deal. And it could be a veteran minimum exception depending on how things fall and where he wants to end up signing, which is just unfortunate for his career, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, but I guess the the, the reason why we've gotten here is because he came back from that Achilles injury. 
he he looked up and down to put it nicely. Yeah, he did. He but it was it was late in the playoffs. It was not really the most fair situation to him. So he'll probably need to sign somewhere and get that even if it's a veteran minimum. He needs to go somewhere where he can say, all right, who can give me a good opportunity? Who can give me 25 minutes a game? And let me just show you what I can do. Another summer, it's almost like with Boston and Gordon Hayward. You, you The comeback that was like not really indicative of who he might be when he's fully, fully healthy. He'll have a summer to just get back into the gym, to play five on five, to, to get as close to 100% as he possibly can get, and then go show a team, I'm still DeMarcus Cousins, and I'm still able to do, like you said, hit the three, pass the ball, dribble, you know, do things on the floor that will help a team. Maybe he's not going to be a max guy anymore, and the Achilles injury really knocked him down a couple of pegs. But if he can be... A, not disruptive in a locker room, which he didn't seem to be. Yeah, there was nothing I, like that in Golden State. You heard, right? you, it sounded like he was a model citizen, so you've got to give him that for sure. Right. So we know what's been happening in the past, but it, that may, may be different now. If he can kind of keep that going and show that he can be productive, then there's no reason why he can't finish his career uh, in a sort of – big man version of a Sean Livingston kind of way where he's a key piece, but not the featured piece or an Andre Iguodala sort of way where he can go and get some decent money. Unfortunately, not the big money that he might've been due before his injury, but I think eventually he can get there, but it's just going to take that extra season for him to do that. Yeah. And I think that's fair to say. He also had that game. I think it was in early April against the Nuggets where he absolutely cooked Nikola Jokic in that game. I'm pulling up the numbers here. 28 points. He was 12 of 17 from the field, two of four from deep, 13 rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals, and Jokic played terribly. So he still shows flashes of being that very dominant guy who who you can build a team around. Speaking of building a team around, and the Philadelphia 76ers signing Ben Simmons to a monster extension. John, you've got the numbers. I think we were talking about this before. That team's getting expensive very quickly. Yeah, you have, um, you have him signing a max uh, extension worth about $170 million over five years. They just gave Al Horford uh, four years, about $100 million depending on the bonuses. They just gave Tobias Harris the five-year hundred and, what, oh, 80 million or so, 170 million or yep. so. And they've got Joel Embiid already on his contract. They're paying four guys uh, over the course of the next four years, what, six, seven hundred million dollars? Like, it's just, it, it's a lot of money that's out there. Uh they yeah. are almost the East version of the Lakers without like the top level superstar talent in that they've got a lot of, com- a lot of money committed to, to very few guys and they're not going to have a lot of tools unless they're willing to go deep, deep, deep into the tax to put a team around them. And they still, they're still incomplete. 
They still need shooters. They didn't have a ton of shooting last season, and they lost J.J. Redick. They still need somebody to close games. They lost Jimmy Butler, who, when he was traded there, wasn't necessarily the best fit right away, but he was the guy closing games. Everybody's talked about it. They talked about it on yesterday's Locked On NBA podcast. They've lost him. They're, they got to hope that Tobias Harris can step into that role, but they still have a lot of holes on this roster with all of this money committed. So Philly probably this coming season with uh, Kevin Durant still injured, so Brooklyn's not at full strength. This coming season, Philly's going to be in that conversation for one or two seed in the East, depending on how Milwaukee flushes out. But they're going to have flaws. It's going to be a very expensive team to have that many flaws. Yeah, they are. They're all in. And they probably should be, given the, the talent that they have. And you can't really just let it walk. And we're going to talk about them in the next segment. It's also similar to kind of what happened with Milwaukee. You know, they didn't want to pay to keep Malcolm Brogdon. And I see that as a big loss for him. And if you're a title contender, particularly in a bigger market like Philly is, maybe you can kind of go ahead and do this and at least give it a run because you decimated the team for multiple years. The process to get all of these guys, not signing them or re-signing or paying them, also probably looks kind of weird, even if maybe it would be a sunk cost fallacy, something like that. They've got to do it, basically. Whether there's but, holes or not, you have to, right? Right. They, I mean, they, they sort of have painted themselves into this corner. But what they didn't do that Milwaukee did, and to hear the story, it's Milwaukee kind of lucked into this because Indy's owner called them and, and kind of offered this up. Rather than just signing Malcolm Brogdon to an offer sheet, he called up and said, hey, I don't feel right doing that because he's an old school guy. And, and they got picks out of it. Philly didn't get anything for losing J.J. Redick. So Fair enough, they, yeah. You know, they, they're, they're, they did, your point is valid, that they, they are stuck. Like, they are committed. And I don't want to say stuck because you're not stuck committing money to Ben Simmons. He is an all-star level player. Again, can you be a max level guy with the flaw of not having a jumper as a perimeter player? Like, not even willing to take a jumper as a perimeter player. He's taken, what, one three-pointer his entire career? Like, that is, that has to change. And for Philly, and maybe one of the things Al Horford's going to do as knowing that coming from Boston, he was like team dad. He's going to go to Philly and be team dad and somehow coax a jump shooter out of what Ben Simmons is. Somehow somebody in Philly has to turn him into a guy who's at least willing to take those shots. You can't have a max player handling the ball. And when it's crunch time, you drop him down to the dunker position on the baseline and say, somebody else do the work like that. That's not something that they that's sustainable. You got to get more out of him for this money. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The, the jump shot's huge. If he gets that, like, look out NBA. Yeah, right. This guy can be very, very right. good, uh, but he hasn't shown that he can. And it's that kind of lack of 
part of his game that makes them easier to defend. And in the playoffs, it's going to really start to be problems in future years. So we've got more coming on free agency. NBA player Trevor Booker joining us in just a moment. But before we get to all of that, don't forget to subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. We're here Monday through Friday, breaking it all down for you, particularly this time of year when free agency is in full swing so subscribe to locked on nba wherever you get your podcast from and when you get in your car in the morning tell your smart device to play podcast locked on nba joining us now on locked on nba we've got nba player trevor booker kind enough to kind enough to give us a couple of minutes trevor thanks for joining the show no problem guys so just right off the bat let's just ask you you've got some winners and losers in free agency um I definitely have some winners. I think the biggest winner, um, you know, is the Utah Jazz. They really, uh, you know, they really made some some big moves after they got Mike Conley, adding uh, adding Bogey, and they added, you know, Jeff Green. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Ed Davis too. Oh yeah, and Ed Davis was was it's a huge pickup. You know, uh, he's another shot blocker. You know, behind Rudy and the offensive rebounder, that was a huge pickup. Um, who else? Indiana Pacers, you know, getting Malcolm Brogdon, that, that was huge. Um, they really, you know, improved their team. Um, Milwaukee, even though they lost a big piece in Malcolm, you know, they replaced him with, you know, Wesley Matthews. And they got Robin Lopez, you know, which was huge. Uh, Wesley Matthews, experienced veteran, you know, he's really going to help that team a lot. You know, uh, but I'm sure they're going to miss Malcolm a lot also because he's such a tremendous player. I thought that he was, you know, probably the third best player on, you know, the Bucks team behind uh, Giannis and, and Chris Middleton. Uh, so that's a huge loss. But, you know, Wesley will come in and, and fill that void. Um, yeah, the Pacers picked up a, a few pieces, though. You know, Jeremy Lamb, uh, Malcolm, and who was the other guy that they picked up? Uh, help me out, guys. Uh, who did the Pacers pick up? I know so Bro- Malcolm Brogdon. I think the Brogdon oh, one is is big. I just in general going back to him. I think he's a very good player. He's what a a uh, fifty. Uh, 40, 90 guy, which is pretty rare in the league. Do you, so you said you think Wes Matthews kind of steps in and fills that role. Is it more the veteran presence? Is it maybe the shooting he brings? Because I look at this and I see it's a, a pretty big loss for Milwaukee. And it just kind of sucks to see that that team, which is a title contender, got expensive really quickly. And they just it was that they couldn't afford to keep everybody. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, he doesn't, you know, um, you know, really replace the things that Malcolm Brogdon did. You know, he's you know he's pretty ir- irreplaceable on that team. Um, but you know he's gonna he's gonna come in and play you know defense and knock down his three pointers. And he's a you know he's a big time pest on the defensive end. Um, but Malcolm he just brings so many things to the table. He's such a smart player. You know he's good defensively and you know on offense. You know he can shoot the three ball. Uh, he can get it to the hole. You know dish it. Uh, he's just a, such a smart player, you know. I, I love his game, uh, so that's a big void, you know, to try to fill. But you know, I, I think Milwaukee, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll find a way to do it. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And it, what was it? Sorry, what's that? The, the Brooklyn Nets uh, obviously made the big splash oh, yeah, signing yeah. 
Uh, of course, that, that's you. Yeah, but yeah. the what what people aren't really talking about is it, it's going to be Durant and Kyrie, but it's not until a season from now. They have one season with just Kyrie right, right. and DeAndre Jordan, and I know I'm a little bit concerned that for that one year that it's just Kyrie, there's a lot that can go wrong. Having co- I cover the Celtics, having seen it firsthand, do you think I'm right to have that concern for Brooklyn that without Durant on the floor to kind of balance out Kyrie, that there is a possibility for, for some discord to kind of creep into that locker room in this upcoming season? Um, I don't think so. Just the guys, you know, I know half of the guys in the locker room, and they're, they're great guys. They're uh, team guys. You know, I know, you know, Sean Marks, uh, Kenny Atkinson, you know, the coach. Those guys know what they're doing. Um, they, they know how to build a team. As you can see, you know, Sean, you know, what he's done since he's come in. You know, if anything, you know, ever happens in that locker room, I expect it to stay in that locker room. Now, of course, they're going to have trials and tribulations. But I expect everybody to, uh, you know, the culture, the culture there is great, and I, I, I don't think they're going to win a championship this year, knowing that you know KD is not playing this year. But they do expect to make the playoffs, and, and you know, and at least get past the first round, I think. Um, but you know, even with you know KD hurt this season, they have a lot of tremendous pieces, you know, um, that that can play. You know, you brought in DeAndre Jordan, but if you look at it, you know, you got Jared Allen, who was, you know, who was a rising star in the NBA, you know, and he's going to probably come, be coming off the bench. And, you know, he's still going to be growing as a player, and DeAndre is going to help him, you know, continue to do that. Um, you have Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, you got Torian Prince. You know, the list goes on. The, the group of guys that they have right now around KD and, and DeAndre and Kyrie, you know, those guys know how to get it done. Those are workhorses, and that's what you can expect night in and night out from those guys. What about the flip side then? So you've got Kevin Durant going there, and I agree. Like, they're, they're going to be back in the playoffs next year. But I think kind of the big surprise on Sunday night was what the Warriors did, bringing in D'Angelo Russell, which – I get it. They didn't have cap room to make any other moves. How do you see that fit working out there with him and Curry sharing the backcourt? Uh, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think they did that just so they can get something for Kevin Durant. Because uh, I, I think D'Angelo probably wanted to go to Minnesota or Phoenix. But they wanted to you know, make sure they didn't strike out on free agency. So I think that was a smart move on their behalf. You know, Especially with Clay being down right now, they just add another score. Um, you know, once, you know, Clay comes back, if they want to, they could trade D'Angelo if it's not working now. So, you know, that's pretty a uh, pretty smart move. And I'm sure D'Angelo will have some suitors, you know, if it doesn't work out in Golden State. So with how how some of free agency is kind of shaped out, you threw out the Jazz as the first team that, that really had a, a big winner there for you. You know, So where do you see them in the Western Conference now? Because I think it's just more wide open than we've ever seen before. Right. I, I see them as a top-two team uh, um, in the Western Conference. You know, just given what I know about the team, know about the organization and the coach, you know, Quinn Snyder, he's one of the you know, smartest – uh, coaches in the game, and you know, just that system that he puts the guys in, 
everybody shares the ball, you know, everybody, the chemistry is always, it's, it's always there, you know, uh, they're building a, a Spurs type, you know, organization. And you can see that they're winning every year and, and the pieces that they picked up this year, it's just going to take them over that, over that, get them over that hump. I think they're a top two team, um, you know, in the Western conference, uh, with the team that they, um, you know, they have this year coming up. I expect them to be in the Western Conference Finals, honestly. Uh, they, they they picked up some huge pieces in the Jeff Green uh, piece today that they picked up. That was, uh, that was real big. So the Philadelphia 76ers, had, they got Al Horford, which I think is a big deal because not only does it take – uh, to get them a good player takes away one of the best defenders against Joel Embiid, but they lost JJ Redick to the New Orleans Pelicans, and so they, they've lost some shooting. They've got uh, they lost uh, Jimmy Butler to Miami, and he's a guy that was their closer for the playoffs. So on one hand, it feels like they got better. On another hand, they, it looks like they got worse. Where do you think do, which which side uh, wins out here? Do, do they ultimately? In the net effect is it better for the Pelicans or I mean for the uh, the Sixers or or did they lose too much? Nah, I think they uh, I think they won. I think they won a free agency. You know, Jimmy was such a, a a big part of their team. You know, even though he was such a big part of their team, uh, I just didn't see it. You know, working in the long run, uh, I felt like he wanted his own team where he could you know be a little bit more ball dominant than you know than he was in Philly. You know, with with Joel on the court, it, it's pretty much his team and you know his ball. You know, whenever he wants it, he's going to get it. Um, so for him to move on, I think they actually helped Philly because they were able to keep uh, Tobias Harris um, and give him a, a, a max contract. And then they picked up Al Horford, which is huge because that'll give uh, uh, you know Joel a chance to rest throughout the season, and they won't have to skip a beat. So that, that's huge, and and then they signed, you know, they, they got Josh Richardson, which is another big piece. You know, I really like him in Miami, and I and I think he's going to do a, a a very good job with Philly, and uh, filling that void that JJ had, and he's you know uh, a great defender. So I, I think that's really going to help them. Uh, so they got Josh, they picked up uh, Calo Quinn, which is a a big pickup. Also, I think you know he's an undervalued player. And he can really, you know, help the team out, especially if one of the bigs go down. Um, and Tobias coming back is huge for them because I think he was last year. I thought he got snubbed from from an All Star vote voting. Um, so just to have those pieces that they got, I think they really wanted a free agency. Yeah, I think they came out better in this. Just it fits kind of important, I think, when you've got as much talent as they have, and they kind of needed to kind of figure that out a little bit. And it's kind of sorted itself out. And like you said, John, they pull Horford away from the Boston Celtics. So all of a sudden now, you need to worry about that a little bit less. Staying in the Eastern Conference, though, what, I'm going to probably laugh at this. What did you think about what the Knicks did in free agency after striking out on everybody? They've signed lots of guys to two-year deals with uh, team options for the second year so they can clear cap space again next season. But you look at the free agent group of guys, it's not too great. Like, this has got to be an awful offseason for them, right? Yeah, definitely so. After, you know, clearing up, you know, two max spaces, they they got rid of, you know, Christoph Porzingis, uh, you know, clear cap space, and they ended up striking out. So, um, I know in the media right now they're trying to say that you know everything is okay, but it's really not. You know they really lost big time to Brooklyn, um, you know across the bridge. Um, 
So everything is not okay. They're going to say that, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure in the future they'll be okay with it being, you know, the Knicks and they have Madison Square Garden and being in New York, you know, they're going to get back on track eventually. Um, but they did struck out this off just uh, free agency. The New Orleans Pelicans are, are being pretty celebrated for everything they've done since David Griffin got there. What What's your opinion of everything the Pelicans have been able to do so far from obviously the draft, but now also in free agency? Um, I'm really impressed with what he's done so far. You know, just the pieces that he got back, you know, from L.A., uh, those are some, you know, great young pieces to work around. And they, they had the number one pick in Zion. Um, so, and, and they picked up Derek Favors, JJ, man, and, and don't forget, they still have Drew Holiday. So th- this is a team that, you know, it's going to have some growing pains with the younger players, but at the same time, you know, you're going to have to bring it, um, you know, every night when you play them because they, they, they're so talented. And I'm sure, you know, Alvin is going to have those guys, you know, working hard and, and playing hard. So you, you can't overlook them. I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but I think, you know, they'll be special in a couple of years, you know, and they have a, a piece in Drew Holiday. They could even keep him keep him there or they could trade him in, you know, and get some more great young pieces to go around them. I mean, to go around the other guys. So they, they definitely have some, some playing room there. Yeah, I think that's kind of the general feeling. Everyone here in New Orleans has been celebrating everything we've seen. I want to ask you before we wrap up this part of the show about one free agent signing that just came through as we record this, and that's Jared Dudley heading to the Los Angeles Lakers. Regardless of whatever happens with everything else, how does he fit into any sort of locker room as a as a veteran presence? I mean, I've never played with Jared, but I hear that he's a good locker room presence. Um so I'm, I'm sure, you know, he can be the voice of reasoning sometimes, you know, in, in L.A. if anything ever goes wrong. Um, I've only heard, heard, you know, good things about him. So I'm not, you know, I'm sure he's going to help the Lakers out. I mean, he's a shooter. He's a vet. Um, and, you know, he's still going hard, going strong. Yeah, that's, I think, as we wait on everything else. So that's going to do it for this part of the podcast. Coming up in a minute, though, we're going to dive in with Trevor Booker from the free agent perspective, something you can't get anywhere else. we got an NBA player here with us on the Locked On NBA podcast. So stay tuned. We will be right back. All right, back on the Locked On NBA podcast here on your Wednesday edition. John Corrales and I, myself, Jake Madison, talking with Trevor Booker about what it's like to be an NBA free agency, getting his opinions on all of the different signings we've seen the past couple of days. So, Trevor, you know, you, you, you're an NBA player. You've kind of gone through this process. How in general does it kind of work being a free agent? Do you see your agent get a call and then they kind of reach out to you? Do you already have an idea of how everything's going to go? Is they're just rampant tampering like we kind of see everywhere <laughs> well you see you see uh sometimes um teams get you know fined for tampering uh if they were you know really strict on it then every team would you know get a fine because you know as you, as you see you know so many leaks come out before free agency of where players are going so it's obviously you know some kind of tampering going on because you don't supposed to talk to the players until free agency starts or to the agent but you know um, it, it's a lot of tampering that's going on, um, but at the same time, it, it's exciting, you know, to be an NBA fan and and to be an NBA player when you're a free agency, especially if you know that you have a um, that you're gonna be somewhere. It's just a, a, a waiting game 
of, you know, who's going to come with the offers. And then you have to weigh your options. You have to weigh the money, weigh the city. If you have a, a family, you got to look at, you know, the school systems, um, you know, the organization, how well they treat the families. It's a lot of uh, factors that go into, you know, how to make a decision during free agency. Yeah, I always want to talk about that because we get caught up in the, oh, this guy should want to win, so he should sign here. Like, just like Jared Dudley, we just brought him up before the break. You know, Jared Dudley played in Brooklyn, and now he's going to Los Angeles. And, you know, it's that's that's a hell of a move to go from one coast to the other. And and you did that, too, because you went from Washington to Utah. And, and then that – To Utah. Yeah, and then those yep. trade, and then you went over to Brooklyn. So you you crisscrossed a couple of times here. How hard is it to to make that decision? How much of a factor does that play into? Like, oh god, I got to move across the country. I don't really want to do that. Oh uh, well, you know, money makes everything a lot better. You know, <laughs> it, makes it, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> if another team is offering you way more than somebody else, and then that makes it a lot easier. You know, um, you know, when I when I moved from coast to coast, I would have my family with me. So that made it a little bit more difficult. Um, but it was exciting for them too to see something new, being a new city. Um, you know, now we're at the point where, you know, my kids are growing older, so it, it'll be a little bit tougher. Um, they wanna stay, you know, at home with their friends. So once you know, once the kids get older they start to realize, you know, they they don't wanna move as much. So it, it's a little bit more difficult. They started playing sports and and being around their friends at home and start to realize everything a little bit more. So it's a little bit more difficult to move. So when you've gone through the whole free agent process, you know, how do these pitches kind of work? How do some of those discussions go about and how are teams trying to sell you and just sell NBA players in general on getting those guys to come and play for their team? Yeah, they, they just tell you the vision, you know, what they what they plan to do in their offseason you know, where they want to be in the future, um, the role that they see you playing for their team. Um, so they just, you know, really want to let you know what their vision is and, and where they see you in the, in that vision. And those are probably the, the biggest factors that they try to sell you on. So say you got a call from Magic Johnson or from Drake. Which team are you signing with? <laughs> Ooh. Um, definitely Drake. I'm, I'm trying to go with Drake. You know, I'm a big Drake fan, so I, I would probably have to go with Drake unless, you know, unless Magic offered me some business uh, ventures or something. <laughs> it's like you, you want to own some movie theaters? Hey, what, I mean, he's, he's, he's in a lot of things right now. So, you know, whatever he would have, you know, offer for me, I'm down. When you're, when you're looking at choosing a, a, a team – do you look at the rest of the roster and you say, no, nah, I can't play with this guy or, or I'm not sure about this team. Like if you, I want to know how far down the list you got to tick down. If, if you've got two offers from say that this equal money, do you go down and be like, uh, you know, I like this city. I like that city, but like, I, I don't, I think this guy's a jerk. I'm not going to play with him. So I'm going to go with the other guy. Yeah, yeah, you definitely look at the roster. If you feel like, you know, it's somebody on the team that you're not going to get along with, and then you, you probably, you know, swayed a little bit more uh, towards the other team. Um, but if, it, if it's the same money, it's a, it's a lot that goes into it. it. You can go down the whole list, you know, other than 
you know, the players that are on the team. You get def- uh, the biggest part is probably what role are you going to play? Yeah, and, and that seems to be kind of what you're seeing a lot of guys do. And so now is it so much, do you think, about the markets? Do you think the, the bigger markets still have an advantage? Or is it more just about really selling that vision or maybe having a vision in the first place, maybe something that, like, the Knicks are lacking and some teams have, like, a coherent thing? Or is it just obviously probably on an individual case-by-case basis, whatever free agent kind of values? Yeah, the the big teams, the big markets definitely have the advantage, and they probably always will. The smaller markets, um, you know, they have it tough. They have to overpay players to come there um, or either, you know, develop the ones that they draft, um, which always doesn't pan out. So they definitely have it tougher, um, the, the smaller market teams. Um, but, you know, you, you, you're starting to see, you know, players go to smaller markets, especially if they're more established. And, you know, that, that team is winning and, you know, they have a winning culture. It, it makes it a lot easier to go to a smaller market. But, you know, being in a big market, you just have so many things to offer. It's, it's so appealing to players. Yeah, and I think it's it's still a thing. I think it's evened out a little bit more so than we've seen in years past, but there's still definitely an advantage there. So, Trevor, I want to thank you for hopping on Locked On NBA with us here on Wednesday, getting insight that you can't get anywhere else. So we really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Trevor. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On NBA. Thank you all for listening on Wednesday. I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, and the co-host or in the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Unless you're hosting with yourself and you're co-hosting like <laughs> in a mirror. I am John Corrales, Reds Army John and Reds Army underscore John on Twitter. Not just me. <laughs> Not just you. Yeah. See, I'm too busy busting your balls that I screw up myself. See, karma. Uh, I am the co-host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with you all next week.